Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. We've had a two-week hiatus and what a state we have found Scottish rugby in. Brexit has happened again. Both Scottish teams are out of Europe and we're staring down the barrel of an 1872 Cup to decide who gets to get knocked out by Leinster. (laughs) Wow, I've really taken a negative tilt on all of that. But Alan, it's great to see you again and we're in person. What a treat. Absolutely wonderful. It's uh, no, it's nice that we're in a post-COVID world. We're bringing it back, physical um, pod sessions. I'm enjoying it. There's a little gap after physical there. Where <laughs> you didn't know where you were going, did you? <laughs> physical <laughs> podcast sessions. And Matt's with us as well. You right, bud? Yeah, good. Maybe it's sort of two-week hiatus is quite good for us. Let's just recover from what has recently been quite a difficult time for supporting Scottish rugby. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, we didn't really watch much of it. Well, we were at the wedding, weren't we? We yeah. were at a wedding. And it was frowned upon when you got your phone out during the speeches. <laughs> there was actually numerous comments from people saying that I wasn't allowed to not only just watch coverage, but I couldn't even check scores during yeah. the night. I do remember being at a wedding the day of the Pro 14 final in 2019 when Glasgow were playing. Yeah. yeah. 
And we I'm were all there, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're all there. And I'm pretty sure you were on your phone checking the score. The last five minutes was during the groom's speech. <laughs> and you're on your phone. <laughs> I think it's a completely fair position. <laughs> I think I looked over and saw you doing it, and I was like, oh, you shouldn't be... And I was just secretly very I mean, jealous. I wasn't was watching. Score, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Bring my phone up, just, just so you could <laughs> see exactly what's going on. But it is fantastic to be back, and you've been keeping us very much entertained on, on social media. For those who are joining us for the first time, welcome along. Uh, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts and on social media. It's Twitter at Thistle Rugby Pod. On Instagram, Thistle underscore rugby underscore pod. And um, every week we put out a newsletter, lands on Monday mornings-ish. That's on Substack, Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. So get yourself on there. It's a great wrap-up of everything that's been going on there uh today we're going to be looking back at the really disappointing european weekend for both glasgow and edinburgh as they fall out of the challenge cup and then we're going to do a little bit a little bit of um sort of crystal ball gazing looking forward to the summer tour in scotland we will then come back next week to do a pod of course before the 1872 cup i believe it's been called the final chapter Alan, it is true, though, that every book has a final chapter. I, I don't think it was every book. I think they said every story. Every story has a yeah. final chapter. Which I'm not sure is technically true, but... I think it's technically true. Depend. What about a book that's got no chapters? <laughs> like A what? novella. The Road by or, Cormac McCarthy has no chapters. There you go. Serious high and low culture here <laughs> on <laughs> The Thistle. Um, but just on a side note, so obviously two years ago... The whole sort of narrative was unite the city. Yes. So they clearly they've shifted away from this sort of let's bring Edinburgh together. Edinburgh's been brought together. Completed it. So now it's kind of moving on to. I guess the trams are almost done, so you can almost like get all the way through. I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's funny looking back on that video where it was like just like poor Bello. Christophin. It is actually. Did it actually say that? Yeah. Or have we yeah. made that up? No, no, no. That, no, no, that no, no, actually we didn't happened. Make it, up, no. it was one of the best. It was, it was one of those days on the internet where everyone came together. <laughs> A really specific niche of Twitter just yeah. came together. But yes, we will be back for the final chapter next week because there's obviously an awful lot um, riding on that game for both clubs. But before we get into it, I suppose. The reason that game is so significant um, or has taken on extra significance is because neither the, neither Glasgow or Edinburgh are playing in Europe anymore. We're going to start with Glasgow. Um, apologies for Edinburgh. I guess like skip forward 15 minutes if you don't want to listen to this. But Glasgow went down 35-27 um, to Lyon. They were in a winning position with, what, 15, 20 minutes to go and a man for Lyon in the bin. I suppose, Matt, coming to you first, just another in a story that we have seen before. Glasgow really tailing off. I guess tailing off, we'd be putting it generously, you know, sort of like skydiving off um, without a parachute towards the tail end of a rugby match. Yeah, I mean, I think as a standalone result, it's maybe not that bad. Like, yeah. Leon are a pretty good side. They've got some like pretty high quality players, they've got a big pack. Um, and that was, I think, what told in the end, combined with probably some Glasgow Warriors errors. But it's the fact that you can now look back over the last like two or three months and see that pretty much exactly the same thing happened at that like 55, 60 minute mark where Glasgow were, you know, this match and the Cardiff game in the league ahead yeah. by sort of 10, 12, 
um, 14 points as it was here, and then, you know, completely throw it away. Uh, add that to the South Africa tour where the same thing happened. Um, I'll be at the matches were a bit closer. And, you know, Danny Wilson keeps talking about, we'll learn from this, we've got to learn, but it seems as if, like, whatever the reason is, they're they're not learning or there's something that's stopping them from doing it. Alan, do they just need to hit the hit the treadmills a bit? A few more... Um, what was that test that they got really into at the start oh, the of the season? The Broncos. That was all the rage for a wee while. Yeah. A few more Broncos. Well, George Horn was like the superstar of the Bronco, <laughs> yeah, but he yeah. doesn't even get in the team anymore. Yeah, he mm. basically doesn't play rugby anymore, George Horn. I know. Yeah. Um, obviously, on top of the moon was um, posting some stats on the Glasgow Warriors forum, which I actually think are like actually incredibly striking. So, Glasgow, in terms of first for away fixtures this year, in first halves of one eight lost four, and in the second half of one two lost ten, and in the first quarter of matches are on points are ninety seven sixty one four, and in the fourth quarter. A thirty-seven ninety-eight against. <laughs> so clearly, there's like a very like big issue around whether it's either fitness mm. or whether it's just depth, and the fact that especially in that match against Leon, the depth of Glasgow's bench and what they're able to bring versus what Leon's mm. bench can bring, but Glasgow's ability to sort of take their form and performance through a whole 80 minutes has just been completely lacking the whole yep. season. Matt, where are you? Fitness or bench? As an athlete yourself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I kind of think that obviously there's degrees of fitness at this level, but at the same time, like fitness should be the easiest thing to coach versus yeah. attack or defense or set piece or even if you like break down the game even further. So... I mean, it could be the issue, but it seems like if that's the case, then the strength and conditioning, messaging, coaching, whatever is like completely off. Bit of fatigue and, you know, tour away to South Africa, then away to... Away to Maybe, France. but then I, I do kind of look at that bench and I think all those teams that Glasgow have lost to in recent weeks, maybe not including Cardiff, would look at that and be like, yeah, fine, we're not fussed mm. by, by facing that. Feels like there's no sort of specific issue, but it's probably a blend of fitness, the bench, and then also a bit of leadership. I think leadership's quite quite an important point. That it's when stuff gets sticky in those matches yeah. that Glasgow can't seem to I don't know, like concede three points, concede five points, and then be the next ones to score or like figure their way around that. Yeah. So we're Glasgow just in a bit of a difficult situation where we kind of know that they've got lots of young talent coming through and maybe that the elder statesmen, your Ryan Wilsons and what have you, are kind of your Duncan Weirs are six months over the hill, a year over the hill, and they just can't galvanize. I don't know. Just, it just seemed to struggle to sort of really make a mark on the match and sort of really influence mm. how Glasgow play. I think you sort of go back to that Cardiff game and, there was no fitness issue there. There was that, no that's bench what I was issue. Thinking, yeah. There was just a moment in that second half where the match just seemed to sort of be lost and mm. and no one in that Glasgow team could sort of bring that twenty three together to be able to kind of work out how they sort of take a minute and sort of solve the problem that was kind of facing them. Yeah. And I wonder whether sort of a lot of players, whether it's sort of like 
Duncan Ware, Rob Harley, even sort of Ryan Wilson to point, sort of bring a lot to Glasgow in terms of just sort of emotion and sort of work yeah. ethic. But I'm just not sure whether they bring more of that sort of game plan, sort of strategic side. I also think there's an element of they could be bringing sort of, as you say, this strategic side of, th- strategic side of things. But if they're also like not as fit as they used to be or as effective in general play, yeah. then that message might get lost slightly. Yeah. And I think without wanting to like target individual players so much, like someone like Duncan Weir, I think, is at Glasgow at a point where he, I think he should have been maybe moved, yeah. not moved on, but maybe like shouldn't be as involved as he is because his level of performance isn't good enough. So he could come on and like say all the right things, but when he's, you know, I, w- I wouldn't say this game in particular was his fault, but he's maybe been symptomatic of that. At the same time, being 27-10 up away to Leon, who are like third in the top 14, mm. it's actually like pretty impressive. Well, I thought Glasgow played pretty well. Yeah. And the tries they scored were really nice. Like they did yeah. all the things that we, we know they can do. It was just, and I think actually you could have said that of like only watched the first game of the Stormers match, but Glasgow looked like playoff contenders, like championship contenders at that point. It just seems to be this drop off that's killing them. Lot of ire on social media directed towards Danny Wilson. We've talked about leadership, we've talked about squad. Where do you guys fall down on the Danny Wilson debate? I feel like Danny Wilson has never had the love from Glasgow fans. Yeah. I think it's because you went from Dave Rennie, who's like an international name, to Danny Wilson. The, the assi- yeah, the assistant coach who was sort of moved. It, it felt as if there's no one else we can find. Let's just move across a lateral hire. It's true, but I never even know if Dave Rennie quite got the love of the Warriors fans. It's almost like Tooney mm. gave them the win and they sort of like yeah. felt that like Glasgow deserved to be like, and you know, ultimately Dave Rennie got them a semi-final, then a final, mm. but I, which I think for Glasgow is overperforming. Yeah. But he still never quite sort of like got the full sort of buy-in from sort of the Warriors fans. Um, there was a bit of like chat ahead of this weekend that Danny Wilson was a sort of like the challenge cup specialist. He was like the, yeah, the, the Unai Emery. Because he'd won with... Yeah, because yeah, yeah. he won with Unai Emery of the Challenge Cup. <laughs> but obviously not the case. I mean, is it... I think you've got to sit here thinking there's probably next to no chance that Danny Wilson's going to be moved on. Doesn't seem to be any agitation from that from the SRU. I think you've got to give him like a... Because you've got to remember even last summer, a lot of Scotland players yeah. were getting hit with covid there's yeah. like broke, broken sort of preparations. Well, the recruitment la- for, ahead of last season was really, really COVID yeah. impacted as well. Yeah. And he's made, or well, Glasgow have made quite a few signings in yeah. lead up to next year. That's true. That you'd like to think were, were his decision. He played a big part yeah, in them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And clearly he thinks that the pack needs strengthening. I don't think there's many, if any, signings in the backs. No. I can think of. No. So you've got Vailanu, Dupria, all the guys who've gone up to senior contracts, the academy guys are forwards. All forwards, yeah. And then there's rumours of this guy from the Blue Bulls, whose name I can't remember. Yeah. Um. So maybe that 
indicates that he's going to be sticking around. But I, there's there's definitely a sense amongst like the Warriors fans. Like, there's no love for him. Get him out. I mean, I don't, I don't know, I don't necessarily know what you gain from rolling the dice and getting rid of Danny Wilson, but there isn't exactly sort of some doesn't appear to be someone, especially sort of sort of Scottish in the, within the Scottish system anyway, who's like ready to take on that job. If mm. like I don't know, even like Pete Horn or like Pete Murchie had had like a bit more experience, then maybe you sort of start to think then that route. I think I think end well, of next season, Pete Horn will be on the Glasgow Warriors coaching ticket. 100%. Probably. And he's probably being earmarked as like some sort of successor. Yeah. Ronan O'Gara, Pete Horn, Pete Murchie. Mate, no, it, Stop it, triggering it, it, David Barnes by mentioning Ronan O'Gara. Honestly, I maybe I had a few drinks when I posted that, but <laughs> I didn't think it would get so... Actually, yeah, there was a mixed reception. I think the sort of the Warriors like faithful ideal situation is Kenny Murray comes back as head coach and then you have like a Pete Horn and a... Which, which I, I don't think is the right decision, but... I think there's an element of he was a bit hard done by. Where's Ken? Is he in like one of those? He's under twenties coach, right? Yeah. Kenny Murray comes off a zero, a zero from five under twenty campaign to take on the exactly, Warriors. Exactly. Game. He was stitched up in that under twenties campaign, but that's like a separate thing. Hundred percent. Given like three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> it, it feels a little bit with Glasgow like they've obviously got a few injuries that their depth is is not there. Yeah. I could you know, ultimately you could see them sort of losing to Edinburgh in a week and a half's time and then just have do that trip to Dublin and just sort of yeah. getting absolutely <laughs> I'm pretty sure and I'll have to go back to listen to our podcast, but I'm pretty sure before the last eighteen seventy two cup everybody thought Edinburgh were gonna win. 100%. And then Glasgow did a real number on them. They did no, a real job. No, it's true. Um Well the one earlier this season or last year. The, so the one earlier this season, yeah. so the one they've already played. I, gosh, so did, Edinburgh, them. did Edinburgh not play a kind of second string team, if I made that up? Or was it both kind of second string teams? I can't remember. It, it, they both weren't full knots. Yeah. Was it during, oh, was it during the Scotland? It was yeah. the forced one that yeah, was during yeah. the Scotland window, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. But I th- no, still, I think, would have thought Edinburgh would have won it. It's interesting, because obviously, I think the Glasgow team against Leon was full strength for what they had available. Yeah. I was, just, I was thinking just this week about the fact like how big Rangers making a push in the UEFA Cup is about versus like the because ultimately the Challenge Cup is like the UEFA Cup version yeah. of oh, rugby, yeah. right? Ultimately does anyone really like what if you got to the final you'd be like this is quite sweet, but yeah. Does anyone really care that Glasgow and Edinburgh have been kicked out of the Challenge Cup? I think Edinburgh getting kicked out of the Challenge Cup. I mean, we can move on to Edinburgh now, but I think that's quite... It's a bigger deal than Glasgow getting kicked out because there's been this narrative that Edinburgh are like on an upwards trend. They've developed yeah. this new brand of rugby and if they had a run to a semi-final or final, then that sort of That's one of like the longer all working. of like the sort of like the rebirth of Edinburgh rugby, which has been talked about for like the last 10 years, right? <laughs> or more. Slash just... The last year with Mark I think the last year. Yeah, well, well obviously, but there's like but, a longer there's but like Glasgow was in like as you mentioned earlier, they were in a final like three years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Glasgow have also been got, in the doldrums. Yeah. And Glasgow since. have also in that period played knockout Champions Cup as well. Yeah. So it's kind of probably a lot of fans are like you know, just a few years ago we were That is true in that quarter final. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
it's, it's, a, it's a quick drop off. But you, talk, you talked about Edinburgh obviously losing at home 34 30 last minute try to Wasps. I mean, Matt, how, how disappointed do you think Edinburgh, particularly in those circumstances, will be to have, to have dropped out? I think they will be. I think that combined with the Ulster loss, you know, the first time they've lost at home this season, that's now two home losses in a row. It just maybe like a little bit of a momentum killer. Um, and look, I think Wasps have some really good players who, to be fair, on their day, like stood up. Your your Joe Launchbury's and even like Jimmy Gop- Gopperth was just yeah was really important. But I think that Edinburgh let Wasps into the game quite a lot throughout. Whenever they scored, conceded points really quickly afterwards, and then from that point where they had that seven point lead early in the second half, I think they've started to build a little bit of momentum because I think that might have been the only time they scored like two on two consecutive occasions. To then lose, I think, is pretty disappointing. So, Alan, we talk an awful lot about narrative on this podcast. Where does this, plus the sort of like the, the gradual falling down of the URC table for Edinburgh and Glasgow, I suppose, in the last few weeks, but speaking about Edinburgh, where does it leave the Mike Blair positive Edinburgh narrative in tatters? I wouldn't say in tatters. Are you saying that Mike Blair should go? <laughs> Are you, do, you, do you respect Mike Blair? <laughs> I have always respected Mike Blair. I, I thought that was the case. Um, it's tough. I think probably expectations for Edinburgh and Mike Blair probably got a little bit ahead of themselves, especially sort of think back to being Saracens away. Everyone's like, this is a new dawn. <laughs> that was a great day out there. Mm. And I think ultimately you sort of look back at the last two matches and Edinburgh... V- very easily and potentially should have beaten Ulster. And you yeah. know, this Wasp match being at home, again, a few a few little different refing decisions and Edinburgh potentially playing a little bit smarter probably could have beaten Wasp. And again, to your point, the narrative's just so, so different. Um, at the same time, though, if they lose to Glasgow and Edinburgh a, have Leinster away in a quarterfinal and ends up in the Challenge Cup, it doesn't feel like Edinburgh have then moved forward this year. And I think it does go back to that point around the sort of, this Edinburgh team are good at beating the shit teams or in moments where it doesn't quite matter. Mm. When it comes down Mm. to the big matches where it does matter, this Edinburgh team doesn't quite have it. Are we expecting too much in sort of like one season under Blair though? You know, is he... Other foundations now in place, and I guess is what I'm trying to get at is next year the season where we can really mark his card. I, I, I think it's a good point. I think the Wasp game in particular, like I think Edinburgh actually are their best or better team than Wasps, so it's it's disappointing to lose in that regard. It's, I think maybe the Ulster game, although they could have played better, like Ulster, I think are at a different level to Edinburgh at the moment. I guess if you look at like the McFarlane projects, what, like three years old? Yeah. The, no. So the cycles are in a different place. Yeah. Edinburgh have a lot of injuries as well. Y- yeah. There's an argument suggests that like only one of that starting pack is sort of Edinburgh's actual yeah. sort of first team. Um, obviously, didn't have Watson, Ritchie. Muncaster is arguably... I don't, know why, I don't know why they didn't start with Schumann. 
I, yeah, I didn't know if it was injury or they just thought they had enough slash saving him for... <laughs> 37 minutes, right? Uh, yeah. Courtney, get, you're off. Gotta get off. Um, obviously, McBurney. Nell's like 36. He sort of... Vandervault and Hoyland in the back three. Yeah. Yeah. Like, performed fairly well considering they've not played much. Exactly. Well, Vanderbilt's been very solid at 15, but he's not... I, I, I guess it's, it's it, to your yeah. point around, you know, sort of the, the Blair narrative, it's, again, looking at Glasgow, it's interesting that it feels like there is less depth in both teams versus even sort of three or four years ago when you look at some of the, sort of the players that are being brought in. Maybe, but then I do think that Blair has rotated his team a lot this season and overall the results have been good yeah like i think if you just think of someone like second row like hodgson gilchrist sykes glenn young yeah like i wouldn't say it's amazing but it's okay i've i found the rotation of the team a bit funny yeah yeah and like i understand some of it is injury enforced but and look i think chris dean was incredible but like he hasn't really played that much rugby and the combinations etc like I don't know. That must take time to gel. I don't know if you were going to say it. Is Christine the Scotland Sunny Bill? He that, he that offload made a couple of offloads. Two offloads, both of tries. Pam Launchbury, sort of like his, his handing hi- off Launchbury while offloading. His highlights reel from this season. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's, it's nice. Yeah, yeah, him and Kinghorn. Couple of Rodneys. Hate to see it. <laughs> you, do, you do hate to see it, unfortunately. <laughs> it's, uh, and then I guess looking at the back line. Christine running out, captain of Scotland Day against Chile. We'll come to it. We'll come to it. <laughs> Get the man on the plane. <laughs> and then you've got, I think it feels like Dean, Buffelli, Bennett, all sort of performing incredibly well at the moment. Yeah. Benzo and Buffelli in particular. People yeah. Are, you talk about like not, people not liking Danny Wilson, but like the, the anecdotal Twitter test is that there's nobody flying higher than Mark Bennett and Buffelli's number one, I think. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I said it before, like, surprised that he was, that Edinburgh managed to convince him yeah. to sign, but he's been Velikots looks like a good piece of business. Yep. He's improved them in that area. There is just, I've got, 
the concern about Velikot is, is does he fall into sort of the King Hong category where when it doesn't matter against yeah. a slightly middling tier, does he look amazing? He's got a good try at the weekend. It did. Got subbed at 60 for Pergos, though. In like a tight game where you probably need... That is what Henry... Is that, is that where we're at? 20 minutes for Saracens in the Saracens game to close it out as well. I think Pyrrhos... Yeah, he did. Sorry, yeah. I, I, st- I still just think Velikot and Kinghorn are due that really big performance in a game that really matters. Six Nations 2024. <laughs> <laughs> but fair enough, right? Like, this is Kinghorn's first season of playing 10 and first time that Velikot's played in this Edinburgh team. First time they played together. And if it was the start of the season, I'd be like, yeah, that's a completely fair point. Still only one season, though. I, I, agreed. but Quite a lot to ask. Yeah? <laughs> you feel like you're resisting. <laughs> Before we come on to talk about Scotland then, and obviously we're going to come back and talk about 1872 next week in the run-up to the, to the game itself. You know, both some of our chat is sort of focused now, you know, a little bit investing if you were giving, if you're going long on one of these teams, maybe not long, like a sort of a five-year investment in Edinburgh or Glasgow, where are you putting your money? Where are you putting Freya's money, Alan? <laughs> I think I think the trust fund has to go on Blair. You got you're backing Blair's babes. Yeah, it feels just Freya's in- off to Edinburgh. Is <sighs> it's tough. I, I I wouldn't. I, I, if I'm honest, I wouldn't put my money on either of them. Right now, okay. But for the purpose of this <laughs> podcast, for the purpose of this, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, but le- if you can't. Le- Lancers is like this highly valued asset. There's not much upside to. Yeah, no, that or is true. Potential. Maybe what you're saying is that neither of them are actually. Valued. Yeah, I like that. No answer. value. <laughs> neither. Either of these Stupid. <laughs> it's interesting. I guess I, I just don't know if there's quite enough from either of them to sort of you know this is a team that's going to be challenging both in the URC final. Yeah, especially with how good the Safa teams are and look to be getting slightly better as well. It's like really annoying. It's remember the, like the table like two months ago yeah. and like everything is fine. And then the South African teams actually started playing games. Played at home. <laughs> All right. I guess it's just, is Blair Kinghorn taking you to a final? And I just don't quite, and I appreciate not everything's mm. banking on, you know, yeah, your 10, yeah, your ten yeah, isn't everything, it. but he is very important. I think it's, yeah, it's like the key question. And again... So it's Ross Thompson versus Blair Kinghorn. But especially if Buffelli leaves at any point as well. Uh, you know, Did he sign a two? Signed a two-year contract. So he's obviously through till sort of 2023. Mm. I wonder if there'll be people in the summer like, yeah. you are Try and buy awesome. Him um, and again, with sort of Ross Thompson, again, it's obviously, you know, obviously, again, still relatively young, but... And is obviously clearly like quite solid. Mm. But it doesn't quite feel like that sort of Price Thompson Johnson axis has is bringing enough, both in terms of consistency but also quality. Sure. To be able to sort of, especially when they're behind a pack that, whilst in some cases is able to get parity, it's probably never going to be a dominating pack. Mm. Mm. They're just from both sides. I'm just not quite seeing where that next step is coming from. But you got to choose one, Edinburgh. Money's, money's behind Edinburgh. I'm backing Blair. I, I think that's an investment in Mike Blair. I'm sort of backing the narrative that he is a really smart person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I think he has Edinburgh playing in a way that suits all their assets. 
like I don't think the towards the end of Cockroll that his yeah, style okay. suits a Velikot, a Darcy Graham, really, even a Blair Kinghorn at fifteen. Mm. Even like a Watson. So Well, we will certainly we will certainly see, and I think when we come to sort of wrap up the whole season later on we can talk about sort of gaps and holes in the squads and what we want to see over the summer and in, in the transfer windows. But speaking of the summer, let's talk, let's look, just spend a little bit of time looking forward to Scotland's summer tour. There's been obviously the confirmation that Scotland A are going to play a match versus Chile in, uh, in Santiago, which means it's a four game tour, three against Argentina and then that one game against Chile. Alan, I'll, I'll come to you first. I mean, what do you want to see in this summer tour? Are you hoping to see Finn and Hoggy and Johnny Gray and perhaps, you know, well, maybe not Johnny Gray, but the, the lads that went on the Lions tour, so your Ali Price's, Chris Harris, Hamish Watson's left at home? or And so we focus purely on development ahead of the World Cup? Or how, how do you see the summer tour playing out? I guess the thing is we're not that far out from the World Cup. <laughs> Yeah, I meant 2027. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, you know, you're ultimately a year from your training camp for the World Cup. Is there anybody with no caps now that we know of who you think could make a run for the World Cup squad and therefore summer tour might be a springboard for them? I think Muncaster is... Is you, him and Dar- and I know Darge doesn't have no caps. But He's obviously capped, but yeah. Darge and Muncaster in the back row in terms of ultimately being backups. Sure. To probably your Watson, Ritchie, and, um, and Ferguson. Ferguson. Like, ultimately, we're still a couple of injuries away from, like, Wilson getting a call-up and getting a 51st cap. Yeah. So I think there's one there. Outside of that, Velicott at nine. Yeah, I was just going to stick to the pack, and I think Glenn Young has all the raw attributes to yeah just be in that discussion at least. I think, I think he's raw just an absolute is lump. That's used to describe people with tattoos, and I think Glenn Raw has got that. He's got that. <laughs> there Glenn you go. Young, sorry. <laughs> one one shout, Johnny Matthews can't stop scoring. I mean, and he has in the last starting ahead of Turner appears on merit. No. Yeah. 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 I don't think he should start ahead of Turner for Scotland, but... I, I mean, would... the thing is, are Turner, Brown and McAnally making... All three of them making the World Cup? Almost certainly, don't no. So. Yeah, so you've got to bring somebody through, right? Yeah. I so think Ashman's, Ashman's probably... probably next cab off the rank. I like Ashman a lot. I think Ashman's... So who drops out for that? I, I think to your point... You're almost certainly not all three are making it. So you yeah, probably yeah, don't yeah. have to make that choice. But as of now, probably Fraser Brown. That's what I would have said, yeah. Yeah. He's just not played enough. Yeah. yeah he just hasn't. And he hasn't yeah, had a run of games. But going back but, to my sort of orig- original question, I mean, are we seeing are we seeing summer as development and does the chili game add anything actually different, or does it just mean that the the dregs of, let's say, the 40-man squad mm. are going to play... Not the dregs, that's unfair, but, like, the lower end of that 40-man squad are going to get a run out and yeah, will take the, Argentina <laughs> quite seriously. The guys who might get taken as... or brought into Scotland Six Nations camp as an apprentice. Yeah. You know, you, you'd play those guys. So... Your Matt Curries? 
I was thinking someone like him. It seems as if Gregor Brown, who obviously played at the weekend, a couple against Glasgow, is highly regarded. Yeah. Maybe another one of those two locks, Williamson or Samuel. Williamson came to the Six Nations squad last year, I think. Charlie Savala at 10. I think I mean, someone like Kyle Rowe. Kyle Rowe. But I think Kyle Rowe would be pushing to start in those Argentina but he's fully, tests. He's fully can. But I also yeah. think he's the sort of... Yeah, but do you know I think he's the sort of player that's probably going to be on like the bench and then you get a full game against Chile and maybe the last game against Argentina? Possibly. You're telling me you're not taking Christine to anchor that A team? <laughs> yeah. At 10. At 10. At 10. <laughs> <laughs> not allowed to kick. Can Dean at 10, Kinghorn at 12, the ultimate. <laughs> um, is it, it, it's interesting because... I think they probably will rest the Lions. But then at the same time, <laughs> there's a lot of injuries. Scotland has a lot of injuries. Yeah, yeah. If you rest all those Lions, what sort of team are you sending yeah. on a, th- a three-game tour? Well, it's a three-game tour against like a, a decent nation. Yeah. yeah. We don't usually do three-game tours. It's too much. <laughs> we usually pick up individual games against... You know, Chile. The tail end. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> do you think you do all three Velocott, Kinghorn... Nine ten, or okay, potentially Ben White and Velo. I was thinking maybe Ben White. I, but then maybe you give. I think you give Ross Thompson one of those games. I if Kinghorn is number two, I think he has to play every game against Argentina. What about Adam Hastings? You taking him on this tour to play Chile? To play Chile, <laughs> fifteen. Yeah, <laughs> and then sent home. Yeah, but I just think if Kinghorn, that, if it's been thing. decided that Kinghorn is number two for Scotland, like he's if Finn's fit, he's not playing the autumn internationals. Basically, so what you're talking about is Finn Smith from Worcester. Finn Smith from not, Worcester, not Finn Russell with Arundel at ten at fifteen. <laughs> um, I just think Kinghorn has he, to. Play he needs to play as much as possible. Hundred yeah. percent. Um, but in, I think you still take Thompson in case I, I think know, Thompson's two of those games go really well or plane, go really right? badly. So interesting is like, do you not take Hastings? Feels like you've got to take Hastings, but then you've kind of weirdly got three tens on this tour. I mean, I agree. I think Townsend's like backed himself into this weird corner by not picking him in the Six Nations. Yeah, it's, I guess is the question is as you say when you answer my first question is. We don't have that long until the World Cup. Yeah. So it's is it a learning exercise to find out, you know, these fringe players who can make it? Or is it testing out combinations again that you hope are actually going to work? See, yeah, that is the it's, thing. It's a really <laughs> difficult sort of position that the coaching staff are in. Because, for example, you think potentially Redpath Harris would be the... The, the centre yeah. combo that they want. Yeah. So in that example, if Redpath is fit, I think you probably want to take Redpath and Harris. Give them all four. So Give Redpath all four. At least yeah. an opportunity to play together. Whereas maybe Price and Russell, the, you know, they've played together a lot. So actually, there's less of a need mm. to get them in. With someone like Duhan, I'm kind of like, if he's up for it, take him. But if not, then we know what he can do. I think Price, give him the summer off. Yeah. I agree. Finn, probably give him the summer off. I'm not going to learn anything about Finn in Argentina. Yes, agreed. It's probably just like a recipe for more bad headlines. (laughs) 
the only thing with the move Finn is is there a benefit of just him having more time within the Scotland team squad so him and Tooney can just continue not talking yeah exactly I almost think him playing with like what would be a lower quality Scotland side as well just might not I think just let him go and pickle himself in Mykonos for <laughs> two months <laughs> yeah no that's fair Fine. Yeah. Where, you think about you look at that autumn. Got banging autumn. You got Australia. Actually, it's outside the window, so maybe not. But you've got New Zealand coming to time. Mm. Argentina again. I also think Argentina is. It's not the same as if it was a three-game tour to even like Australia. No, where I think it would you'd want to go full noise, test out these guys. I mean, I mean I'm not saying that Scotland will win all those games easily, but it's. It's not the same kind of challenge. It's funny looking back, sort of what was it, four years ago when they had the tour to Argentina and you had George Horn, Hastings, 9-10. King Horn. And, and they absolutely laid waste to King Horn at quite, 15. quite a good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it really felt at the time that actually George Horn and Adam Hastings were going to be sort of this, the next sort of phase of sort of Scottish. And Nick Gregg tore up. I was, just, well. I was just thinking. Yeah, Nick yeah, absolutely yeah. Tore yeah. Up. I remembered that, yeah. It's... Um, but no, I, I think I, I just think once you get rid of once you got the injuries, once you get rid of the lines players, to your point, yeah. four game series, gonna pick up injuries, etc. You start <laughs> actually starts to get a little bit weak by the end. You're playing like the Southern Knights. Yeah. <laughs> Going into we sort of joked about Finn Smith and Arundel and things like that. You know, this is an opportunity though to try and capture some of those. I think Arundel's probably going to be. England. Yeah. But what about people like Fraser Dingwall? I guess Roy Hutchinson's another player that's having a very good premiership mm-hmm. season that mm-hmm. I if Twitter is the only thing you go by, Roy Hutchinson has got to be starting in all of these games. He is he, he is a great like Twitter yeah. twenty seconds. Oh, the BT when BT Sport rug, rugby on BT Sport puts <laughs> yeah. up a Roy Hutchinson video. Yeah. It's usually a banging highlight. There's obviously some question marks in the Scotland camp about him, but, you know, a summer tour for Rory Hutchinson, great opportunity. Fraser Zingwell is probably the one that he's probably got to the point in his career where he's not going to get picked by England. And I wonder whether... Yeah. Given the you, fact You'd that, like to think so. But given the fact that Cam Redpatches get injured so often, I would say Sam Johnson's a bit hot or cold. The, clear, the 12 position... Yeah. Is one of the positions that is open for opportunity. Yeah. I actually think Dingwall is probably more of a Johnson than a Redpath. 100%, yeah. But I think you could turn his head. Although I did see that that Italian scrum half, Braley, signed for Northampton recently, and then as soon as he'd signed, retired from international rugby. Yeah. I don't know if there's maybe like some sort of pressure on on guys who aren't English qualified. I'm to, sure, not, to not play for Scotland or Wales or, or whoever. I'm sure there isn't openly. But, yeah, like, there'll be discussions and... But everyone knows the value of being English qualified. So I wonder if he's just like... <sighs> they just I've never felt that Scottish or... The, the desire to want to play in a World Cup. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do land on that. Yeah. Camp. It's... um. But yeah, I think there's a there's, in terms of what do we want to see. I think to your point, there's a, there's a couple of players that are playing in England who haven't been capped. 
Yeah. I think someone like Kyle Rowe, who's clearly stepped up. Did he get up. a cap? No. no. He went into the squad. He went squad. He never, he never got into the... Another bat, uh, bat three player, Jordan Edmonds. Yeah. I mean, he was in Scotland camp in Six he Nations, was the, right? He was one of the guys that was in that sort of peripheral... He might invited go. to train. Well, do you not think he should go? Probably not. No, I'm not saying that he should go, but the fact that he's been in the Six Nations squad would say that he's got a pretty high chance of going. Do you think he would... Are you watching the Sevens? He's like Jonah Lomu. He's unbelievable. I, I, I'm not saying he's not <laughs> good, but I think when you've got... Do you respect Jordan Hennemans? Yeah. I, would, I just keep throwing shade on all our players. I think maybe like <laughs> Damien Hoyland deserves a place on the plane a little bit more. Maybe. I think Edmonds's ceiling for the next year and a bit is higher. Hmm. Maybe it's a left field. You know, it is. It is extremely left field. I just think you need to have a little bit more 15s experience. I just think he was brought into that squad. He's got to. It's just going to be. He was available, and they needed someone to hold a bag. Yeah, clearly. I mean, they're not going to. They weren't going to play him against Ireland. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I think it's going to be tough. What about Hamilton Burr? Hamilton Burr. Yeah, interesting show. Murray Douglas. Like Murray Douglas is done, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Hamilton Burr is an interesting one, although he hasn't been getting that much game time yeah. recently. Um, he's not injured or had COVID or something? Well, he, he he annoyingly sort of had that cap, had a good performance, and then got COVID when he was meant to be playing the next match. Um, I think it'd be a really interesting summer tour, though. And I think yeah. it's, to your point, it'd be interesting to see how they treat it because it's probably the one big summer tour where you... you don't Scotland wouldn't feel like they have to take the full noise. Yeah. So I think to your point, even against Australia, I feel like there's almost like you have to take the full team. Whereas there's almost something about Argentina and it's almost a mix of them not having the same level of quality, also just not having the same level of exposure of like an Australia, yeah, yeah. A New Zealand or a South Africa tour. Um it's also the first time in a generation that eight of our players were playing rugby last summer. Mm. Yeah. That's true. It'd be interesting to see sort of behind the scenes. I mean, Hoggy's just so openly like, I want to play every minute of every game. I'd leave Hoggy at home. So would I. What do we learn about Hoggy? I don't think it, we learn much, but I guess ultimately, you know, if Hogg's saying that he wants to go, it'd be, it's just an interesting dynamic with obviously the fact that the last time that Scotland were together, Hogg's left a little bit, not in disgrace, but under a cloud. Yeah. And it's kind of like, is it easier to sort yeah. of come back in and... and... And the fact it doesn't seem as if there's an obvious successor as captain. Especially with, for with Richie. Tour. Yeah, exactly. With if Richie Richie's not playing. Him, yeah. yeah. But I, I agree. Like, I get that he wants to play every game, but you can't play every game. And, like, it'd be better for him, I think, in the long run. And for Scotland in the long run, give him a rest. So interesting, expositionally... Who do you think starts 15 in that first test? It's a good question. Ollie, Ollie Smith? Smith? Yeah. yeah. Ollie Smith's been really Ollie good Smith for Glasgow been recently. Good. He's been a real bright spark for Glasgow. It's a big step up. I mean, yeah, outside of, but I guess apart from him, there really isn't. Jack, Jacko is starting for Edinburgh. You could play Rory Hutchison. <laughs> Hugh Jones. Shug Jones is playing really well at 15 for Harlequins. Do you reckon he's like, oh, I just don't want to go on that tour? 
Well, it's quite Leave it's me alone. destination. You know, <laughs> South America. <laughs> you turn his Go head. to like Belize on the way back yeah, or something. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. I guess it's an interesting one for Hugh Jones. I guess I wonder how he's sort of eyeing up that 2023 World Cup. Like what? I don't, I can't imagine he went to Harlequins thinking 15 was going to be where he sort of settles. I think it was like, here's a chance to play 13, but with an option, maybe. Yeah. It's, um, but it kind of feels like 13, potentially even harder for him to break through now than 15. I almost feel like people are starting to doubt Hog more than obviously they ever have in sort of the last decade. I think yeah. barring some sort of like act of God or massive injury, Stuart Hogg's going to start at 15 for Scotland in the World yeah. Cup. But unless... then, yeah. But then probably so is Chris Harris at 13. Yeah. Talking about nailed on positions, Price, Finn, Harris, Hogg, Doohan. Yeah. Yeah. In the back line. So you really, there's only, there's only what, two positions up there? Unless, like, I don't know, Jones agrees. He's like, I'll go in this tour to Argentina if I can play 13 in every single game. He's paired with a Hutchinson. I love how Tooney's like, there's absolutely zero chance I can guarantee that for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think if you look at the World Cup with Ireland not and happen. South Africa, there's just no way that we're going to go back to Hugh Jones' ball. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I wish we would. Unanswerable questions, at least for the next month or so. Um, Absolutely no idea when they'll announce that squad. Probably sometime in June. Yeah. Anyway, we will be back to to talk about that, and we will do a pod next week as well. Of course, looking forward to the big, um, the final chapter, 1872, which has an awful lot resting on it. Until then, please do keep in touch with us on Twitter. That's at Thistle Rugby Pod. On the Instagram, Thistle underscore Rugby underscore Pod. And subscribe to the newsletter on Substack. And we will be in your inboxes on Monday morning. But until then, we will speak to you very soon. Thank you very much. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.